various uh, reports and various articles in the US or in Europe, they always talk about underreporting of cases. So it is not that underreporting only happens in India. The, the one experience that I will share, which probably will throw more light on this figure is, I was a student in the US. I studied in a small town called Greenville, which is in North Carolina. It's the state in the Southern part of America. And I was in a university called East Carolina University. The university had a lot of residence halls or hostels, like we call it in India, where people, you know, students lived. And there were various rooms where students lived. They are typically multi-story buildings. And uh, unlike India, where there would be a physical guard, all these uh, halls, residence halls, are only uh, entry with your key. And so, you know, if you, if you get an entrance uh, into the hall, if you start staying, if you're a resident, you get a key and you can open the automatic door and get in. Now, during my stay in the U.S., there was a rape of a girl in one of the residence halls. And I was staying with an American roommate. And of course, I was terrified. I was like, my God, the crime here is very high. And she was totally indifferent to it. I wonder what would happen in a university in India if such a case happens. There would be furore. Namaste, everyone. Um, and thank you so much, Sangam Talks, for uh, having me once again uh, to speak to uh, your audience at your channel. Um, today's topic is something that I am very passionate about because uh, I've been a traveler for the past uh, several years uh, researching my book. And today's experience is actually going to talk about how I view travel across India, which has been all uh, positive, pleasant, and full of great experiences, and contrast it with the media reports, which has uh, only vilified uh, travel in India, especially for women in the recent times. I will go straight into uh, my experiences. I'll give you a little footprint of uh, my travel across India. I have uh, been researching my book, The Indic Portion, which came out last year uh, for uh, five years. So pretty much between uh, 2014 to 2019, I was uh, traveling across India on weekends because I have a day job. So that was the time I used to take early morning flights or trains and go across the country, sometimes outside of the major tourist districts. So uh, big cities and tourist places were not really where I was looking for these entrepreneurs who I thought was, were working with the um, Indic heritage, um, either it was textiles or uh, food products, indigenous food products. And so I have had extensive travel experience across the country, which gives me a somewhat uh, uh, idea of how it is to travel as a solo woman across the country. Uh, also, um, I have had uh, a travel experience outside India. I studied abroad and so that was a part of uh, my experiences in Western countries, uh, both in Australia and uh, the US. But as a student, I also travel in places uh, in Europe and uh, I have uh, um, 
been a very perceptive traveler, tried to go beyond uh, the normal uh, tourist uh, areas, uh, tourist um, uh, uh, created uh, attractions for tourists, and tried to interact with local people. So whether it was uh, living with a local family in Korea or uh, uh, meeting uh, local people in uh, various other countries in Europe, uh, staying in a small village in France, I have had uh, uh, experiences uh, which are uh, uh, which give me um, another view of how it is to travel as a solo woman in uh, Western countries as well. So with that, uh, let me first get into my experiences in India. I have traveled. Uh, I'll, I'll take up a few towns, and you know these are as you can see on the screen towns which are small. So Bareilly is yeah a medium-sized town, yes, but Maheshwar, Kesargad, which is a small village in Gujarat, Virudha Chalam, which is again a very small town in Tamil Nadu, and Haju, which is a very small little village in Assam. I've been to all these places for research, and I'll share a few experiences with you. And uh, that will uh, perhaps give you a sense of uh, how I'm looking at traveling um, as a, uh, uh, being a solo woman in India. So uh, moving ahead, uh, my experience in Bareilly. So Bareilly is a town in the north of India. Uh, it's uh, been an important uh, junction uh, in uh, the days of the British, but today it is uh, uh, mostly a uh, uh, medium-sized town. And why I was there, so I took this evening train uh, from Delhi uh, to go and visit a yoga teacher who I had contacted beforehand in, uh, through Facebook. So uh, it was, I, I was uh, researching about yoga and how uh, young people and uh, teachers are uh, picking up this profession across uh, small towns and uh, various cities in India. And I thought uh, that Bareilly was uh, the right uh, mix for me to investigate. So I took this train um, alone um, from New Delhi uh, and a station. And, uh, uh, you know, what I like to also share here is that my co-passenger who I met on the train was a solo woman again. And she was traveling to meet her sister who was not well in Bareilly. And so we chatted uh, all through and there was not even a single moment where we felt unsafe or insecure. Um, it was uh, evening time when I reached Bareilly. It was uh, already sunset and I took an auto to the center. There's a picture there on the screen uh, to meet uh, this gentleman who I'd never met before. And the class was just finishing. They were doing the closing mantras in the session. And uh, uh, after they finished, uh, uh, the yoga teacher uh, um, invited me to speak to them and ask questions. After they all left, I sat with him in this hall and spoke with him about his journey about being a yoga teacher and engaging in a profession which is such an ancient profession in this country and is being reclaimed in a big way. And uh, it was almost nine when uh, he uh, and I finished talking and I showed him the location of my hotel, which I had booked on my phone. I put on the GPS and he graciously dropped me on a scooter. I checked into the hotel and there was no eyebrows raised for a single woman in a town like Bareilly. The, it was a small hotel. It was not a five-star hotel. It was a small hotel. But the receptionist, um, a male, did not ask me any questions. I entered the room. I checked all the doors uh, as I usually do when I'm traveling alone. And uh, I had uh, room service in my room, watched TV and uh, called my family and... Um, 
that's it. I mean, I got up the next morning and took the train back. There was, it's a experience of a person, of an individual. And I think this experience is uh, something that we do not really hear a lot about, uh, but it is definitely something that is uh, relevant and holds true for a lot of women traveling alone across India. So I'll go ahead and talk about another experience and then try and wrap it up together. Uh, this is uh, a road trip and this is to Maheshwar. Maheshwar is some 120, uh, 150 kilometers from Indore. And uh, I arranged for a taxi through a known person, um, a vehicle actually with somebody I knew, and uh, went to meet uh, a weaver. Again, somebody who I had met uh, on the internet because I was researching third, fourth generation weavers from Maheshwar. And uh, I wanted somebody who sold their uh, product on a particular uh, a market uh, website called GoCoop, which is what I was researching. And so I met him and uh, he took me around uh, the town. I met him at the Ghats, you know, of Maheshwar. In fact, my background today, as you can see, is uh, Maheshwar. And uh, he met me there. Uh, I was traveling alone. You can see in the picture, I was, uh, I, I almost looked like a tourist there because usually Maheshwar is full of pilgrims. So, you know, you have women in saris and uh, coming there to take bath. And I was not there for that purpose. I was very oriented towards my research. But uh, he met me and you can see the picture. He's standing behind that gentleman who is weaving in that picture. And uh, they are third, fourth generation weavers. He took me around his uh, yarn dyeing unit. He showed me his production unit, the factory, so-called, where they do the uh, weaving. He also took me to his home at the end. And I met his family. He served me tea. I met his mother, an elderly lady. Again, no questions asked about why, why, why I was alone, what was I doing, all very professional. And so I was overwhelmed with the hospitality and the courtesy they showed because they were so keen to uh, ensure that I was uh, comfortable. In fact, uh, you know, a little incident which brings a smile to my face is that my uh, footwear, my chappal broke. Uh, while I was on <laughs> going around with him and he took me uh, to the market and ensured that I got a, you know, another one. So, you know, that kind of uh, care and interest in the well-being of another person is something that I've not encountered in the West. Uh, throughout my travels in India, there are kinships formed. There are relationships people form. And, you know, when somebody says that in India, we regard all women as aunties or sisters and somehow use that as a negative way to denote a woman's status, I really feel uh, uh, very uh, angered. And that's because I think that's the best way in which you can uh, form uh, connections by giving that person a place in your uh, heart as a person of your family. And so I think it's very important that we understand that it is not a derogatory word to be called Behenji or Mossi or Auntie or uh, Didi, because this is something that is done out of love. And affection. And I see that even in this case, the way they treated me was just like a family member. I was, uh, uh, no, I absolutely felt no fear encountering, meeting, going to homes of these unknown people. And that is what is the beauty of this country. 
uh, going ahead, another great experience of visit, visiting this farm. Uh, this is a village called Kesargar. I was researching this particular wheat, which I write about in my book called Bhalia, which is an indigenous wheat grown in this region for centuries. And the person here, uh, whose name was Chandu Patel, he, again, I took a flight uh, to Ahmedabad to meet the farmer. And there was uh, the entrepreneur who works with these farmers arranged for uh, a person as an interpreter, you know, and he, uh, I took, picked him up from his office and he, we drove all the way uh, three hours to reach the village from Ahmedabad. And uh, he uh, again showed me his field. Uh, that's his home there with the tractor standing in front of, and they uh, took me to his house. His, his wife met me, his kids and grandkids were playing and they offered me lassi. Again, you know, a small village you would consider conservative. They had absolutely no qualms in having, uh, talking to me and sharing their uh, uh, world with me. So, uh, and another interesting thing is that during these travels, like when I was taking the flight to Ahmedabad, I met another girl and she was traveling to join an office, you know, she was an IT professional, joined a new office in Ahmedabad. And she was traveling all by herself, alone. And, you know, I think we sometimes don't think of that as travel. Uh, of course it is. And there are a lot of women doing this on a daily basis. Uh, somehow it's... Uh, uh, not considered a, a, a fashionable enough unless you do something really reckless, and that is again something I'll come to it come to in the next part of my uh, talk today. Again, uh, one you know uh, experience with Rithachalam, these Chola temples, these beautiful temples. Uh, again, some three and four hours away from Chennai, I traveled by a, a, a car and. Uh, uh, met the priest at this temple and he showed me uh, the murtis. Actually, I was researching these uh, Chola murtis which have been smuggled out of India and have ended up in museums abroad and how this particular group of people were trying to get them repatriated to India. And so in my uh, endeavor to actually go and see the temple and the murtis, I spoke to those, uh, that group of people who are engaged in this work. And they actually told me, Vidha Chalam is very out of the way and you'll be traveling alone. And I said, no, I have to do this. And so I took, uh, you know, a late evening flight to Chennai and then in the morning went to Vidha uh, Chalam. Uh, throughout my travel across these uh, small districts, I went to one or two more smaller temples in that area. Never faced any... Uh, hostility or felt threatened in any way. Uh, lastly, my last example here, before I go into my um, perceptions and views about how um, this whole news reports and media reports are uh, putting such a negative view on a wonderful country like ours. We have um, a, a temple in Hajo, which is uh, you know, some kilometers away from Guwahati in Assam, where this gentleman is taking care of uh, the turtles in the uh, lake, which is uh, in the temple premises. And as our culture says, uh, those uh, animals, creatures which stay in that vicinity of the temple are not supposed to be killed. And because of that, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, a species of turtle which is finished, extinct in the wild, was found in this lake. So that's my picture there going up 
to the temple uh, apart from the usual hassle hustle bustle of the temple with the priests you know trying to engage you in various rituals i faced absolutely no uh, no issue uh, there was you know all by myself offered prayers and uh, talked to the um, person the caretaker of this lake about the turtles he showed me his uh, uh, little uh, nursery of turtle chicks turtle uh, you know, uh, eggs and you know how the hatchlings and uh, that is how it was uh, now um, coming to the crux of this talk today is india really dangerous for women travelers now of course my experience says no but let us try and discover the truth behind the reports of women conditions in india also i would like to touch upon some of these high gender equality countries and how there is a sanction objectification of women which is never discussed and you would you know even as a lay travel across europe you would find some of these things that happen in those countries really falling to our sensibilities um then we have an increasing number of solo travelers in india and that gives a totally different picture right because if there are so many women traveling alone today uh where is the danger right so there is something mismatching between the reports and the reality i could first go on to the news reports and there were these two specific reports which made a lot of news one in 2018 and one in 2019 the 2018 report was a thomas reuters report which placed india at the top of the most dangerous country for women i went and digged deeper into this report and guess what i found that this was based on a survey of 550 experts on women's issues I do not know who those experts are but I can definitely say that I don't think they are travelers because if they were they would not have come out with something that put India over Afghanistan and Syria as far as danger is concerned I do not see women traveling alone in Afghanistan or Syria it's very rare and like I said my experiences of travel where I've been meeting so many people just gives a totally different picture the second one here is of 2019 in the forbes uh, which made a lot of news and this was because they again put india as one of the 10 most dangerous places for women travelers now guess what who has made this uh, put this report together it's basically a survey again and this guy a husband and wife traveler duo actually ranked 50 countries based on certain gallup surveys etc and that is something which i think is a very faulty way of assessing a whole country and their um, and the experience of a lot of people are having about traveling in that country so it does not come out of any specific data but just opinions of people and i wonder sometimes why would somebody do that and we know the answers a lot of us have um, are very um, motivated with the cause of uh, uh indian heritage and ensuring that uh, uh more people understand the the history the legacy that indians have as a civilization and that is why it bothers us but i really wonder why would somebody really go ahead and put out inaccurate data that vilifies an entire country an entire civilization so this is some data and i wanted to point this out because i've looked at the us and uh you know this is out of the national commission for women 
And there is data on the screen for USA in 2019, which is from the US uh, FBI Criminal Justice Information Services. And the URLs of the links are given below and you can go and check it. This is data we have, uh, which is clearly saying that India is much fewer in terms of incidents complaints reported for crime against women. And the incidents here have all kinds of uh, categories, including not giving maternity benefit, stalking, there is also incidents of uh, discrimination at workplace, etc. And the US number is specifically about sexual assault against women. And you can see the numbers are hugely different. Now we talk a lot about underreporting. And I understand that there could be, uh, but underreporting is also an issue in the US. And if you look at various uh, reports and various articles in the US or in Europe, they always talk about underreporting of cases. So it is not that underreporting only happens in India. The, the one experience that I will share, which probably will throw more light on this figure is, I was a student in the US. I studied in a small town called Greenville, which is in North Carolina. It's the state in the Southern part of America. And I was in a university called East Carolina University. The university had a lot of residence halls or hostels like we call in India, where people, you know, students lived. And there were various rooms where students lived. They are typically multi-story buildings. And uh, unlike India, where there would be a physical guard, all these uh, halls, residence halls, are only uh, entry with your key. And so, you know, if you if you get an entrance uh, into the hall, if you start staying, if you're a resident, you get a key and you can open the automatic door and get in. Now, during my stay in the U.S., there was a rape of a girl in one of the residence halls. And I was staying with an American roommate. And of course, I was terrified. I was like, my God, the crime here is very high. And she was totally indifferent to it. I wonder what would happen in a university in India if such a case happens. There would be furore. And why I'm highlighting this is because I want to bring out the difference in the culture and the mindset of people. Something like this is regarded as a very ordinary uh, occurrence and a very ordinary crime in America. My roommate actually laughed when I told her that I was worried about the security of women in that university. She was like, oh, come on, this happens every year. Can you imagine? I cannot even imagine this in India. Here, there are a lot of hostels where they restrict the entry of uh, women or students, after, you know, and say, you cannot... Uh, be late after nine, you cannot enter the residence. And there's a whole lot of angle about patriarchy when that comes up. And a lot of people say, oh, that's so incorrect. How can you not allow women to be out at night? But the problem here is that if such an incident happened in India, would the parents not blame the university? Would there not be cases against the university? Would not they be uh, totally you know, tried out by the media? The, the dean, the professors, the uh, principal, of course, yes, because we place a very high importance on safety of women. And that's not the case in America. I don't think anybody really cared about that poor girl with whom this happened. It was soon forgotten and life went back to normal.
So um, I just want to give that sense to these numbers. So what I'm trying to say is that while India may be underreported, under but the fact is that I, I have not seen the scale of violence against women in all my student life in India. And I've studied in you know, various colleges in India. I've had friends who studied in hostels in small towns in India. From, from Punjab to you know, West Bengal to uh, Karnataka, you name it. All of you girls who are there in this, you would know women who've studied in colleges and lived in hostels. How many times have you heard of such an incident? I don't think so. So just to give a perspective on how uh, this, these numbers kind of look correct to me, there is a huge amount of uh, crime in America and a lot of us Western countries. And India, by that comparison, is not anywhere in that, you know, uh, you know fortunately, we're not in that uh, kind of level of crime against women. And so the question comes, why is it that then all these reports come to damage this uh, beautiful culture that we have? For women in India. And so the next thing which I want to talk about it, and this is a little sensitive issue and there are a lot of conflicting opinions, but I would still like to take this on. And this was, this is about the commodification of women in gender equal countries. And what I mean is uh, the easy access to women, be it through striptease clubs or legalized prostitution, there is a very easy access that men have to women in exchange for money. And in my travel in Europe, I was shocked to see uh, in gender, highly gender equal countries like uh, the countries in North, uh, you know, Finland, Sweden, which are regarded as this, you know, great place for women. You encounter hundreds of strip clubs in the main streets of that city, in the big cities, in the small cities, in the small towns. And I wonder how is it that uh, that makes that country gender equal? Because to me, mostly all these women who work there are abused. And why I'm saying, and, and what I'm saying is not just my opinion, the European Parliament, and I've given the link below, has come up with a paper talking about how poor and immigrant women are exploited in most of these bars or clubs. It's mostly women working there uh, out of uh, some forced reason. So while uh, a lot of people might say, okay, it's a choice, but the fact remains the choice is driven by what? It is by money. And when that comes into play, are we saying that uh, women are objectified to this extent that uh, such violence against women is sanctioned and sanctified? by the country and why is it that that is not considered as uh, being unsafe or dangerous because they are women too right they may not be just tourists but they are women who are immigrants and poor who have been trafficked and exploited so in my view a country which sanctions objectification of women is not gender equal uh, going ahead i will talk about the next thing which is uh, I feel a 
kind of a, a contrast that we have in the media with a lot of reports trying to uh, push solo travel in India. So this has become like a buzzword for young girls. And uh, my first solo travel actually happened when I, it was way before any of this social media was there, but I still wanted to, uh, you know, travel uh, for reasons uh, of research, work, study, etc. And uh, today I see that a lot of uh, marketing happens around solo travel for women and then you have these reports which talk about women being a very dangerous place and even being more dangerous for women travelers than Saudi Arabia. I do not see a single post in Saudi Arabia news promoting solo woman travel. So I don't know where that uh, you know reference point is. I don't see anybody in Afghanistan talking about women solo traveler traveling for Afghan women across Afghanistan. I don't see newspapers, I don't see social media there doing it. Here we have every day a number of posts, a number of uh, uh, articles, a number of uh, uh, just promotion and the marketing around women traveling alone. And if it is so dangerous and is more dangerous than some of these countries that we've talked about, how is it that there are people promoting it to such an extent? So, you know, to my mind, there's a big contradiction here. And that itself should bring people to think about that the inaccuracy of such statements. I'm not uh, in any way trying to uh, dismiss uh, issues of women. I'm not trying to say that there, there are no cases. In fact, the National Commission of Women does capture all kinds of incidents against women. But what I'm trying to say is it is nowhere near the levels that is uh, propagated or talked about in alarmist ways in media. So that's, that is what I'm trying to, you know, put that perspective in. Now, going forward, what I want to talk about is the fact that traveling alone for women is not a new phenomenon. And I would like to talk about this because it has somehow been pushed at this as this big uh, uh, aspect of empowerment. There were women traveling for reasons of uh, necessity for generations in India. And I can, you know, I have some family members' pictures over here. That's my grandmother, my mother's mother, who in the 40s, traveled all by herself because she needed to get from one place to another across India uh, in a train and uh, because she, uh, her family was also uh, based in Myanmar, Burma of those times, she would take a flight to, uh, from Kolkata to uh, uh, Rangoon, which is young and long now. Then I have my aunt here. She has been a working woman in Mumbai for uh, since the 70s and she has been making these trips back to her home in Uttar Pradesh by train. And uh, she's always had, uh, uh, you know, had to travel alone for uh, requirements. And that, that, is, that was pretty much uh, the, uh, uh, the way a lot of women of previous generations traveled out of reasons of necessity. And then I have uh, my mother-in-law here as well. And during, she was a businesswoman in Jaipur and she would take a bus to Delhi for procuring raw materials for her business on a monthly basis, all alone, going to Chandni Chowk, uh, meeting wholesalers, making those purchases, doing those business deals. And you can see they're all very, uh, you know, unassuming women, you can consider traditional, but um, 
is really solo traveling for women path breaking as it's being pushed by the media and so i would come uh, back to uh, you know the whole aspect of how the indian uh, civic system and the society is so accepting of women traveling alone because as i said in my experiences not just from uh, a people perspective where people are accommodating and they go out and give you that uh, uh, help you out and uh, ensure that you are comfortable the, there are a huge number of uh, ladies coaches in sleeper classes um, uh, in today which is you know the lowest class so it's not like it's a, it's for very privileged women there have been ladies coaches my aunt on a conversation yesterday told me that she used to travel in the ladies coach in the 70s across the country in a train then we have our metro suburban trains where um, a whole compartment is reserved for women we have women taxis we have women taxis in bangalore uh, we have local buses where uh, seats are reserved for women and uh, there are recently safety protocols in hotels for women travelers so there's a huge amount of support given to uh, women travelers uh, and now you know we can say that these are all women traveling because they have to for work but of course even uh, holiday which is kind of a recent phenomena that's picked up is also new for men so what i would like to say is that even men today have been have started traveling alone which was not the case before so the whole holiday alone phenomena is a very new thing and there could be uh, some reckless behavior by both genders there which has resulted in some un- unfortunate cases of uh, um, uh, injury or crime etc but i think what has also happened is that this has been um, uh, maybe made uh, too much towards uh, one gender because the risks exist for both men and women solo travelers and i talked to some of the men i know who have traveled alone uh, for uh, a holiday and they told me very interestingly that there is uh, a lot of stereotyping that men face when they travel alone so a lot of men who travel alone are regarded as you know either um uh, anti social elements or drug addicts or you know very suspiciously which is not the case with women anymore so i think that stereotyping exists uh for something that is new and people are not aware of it because uh, it's uh, it's something that's a recent phenomenon it's been pushed a lot by marketers we know that uh, uh, you know for the hotel industry for the travel industry the higher the number of travelers the more revenue that they get and so smart marketers have been playing on this whole thing about solo travel for a long time now and recently it's been uh, because of the pandemic it's not been so much but uh, for the past couple of years as we see that this phenomenon has really picked up and of course it gives a feeling of empowerment something um, discovering yourself it's a coming of age for a lot of people to go and uh, experience uh, a city all by yourself um, but there is uh, an element of uh, risk 
that exists for both men and women. And I think that uh, is in every part of the world. We have uh, seen uh, a lot of uh, crime uh, against women in uh, developed countries in when it comes to uh, traveling. Uh, a lot of mugging incidents against men in Western countries uh, where people are this crime, street crime. I have traveled in uh, New York uh, and I find that uh, I felt across all my travels to be the most unsafe in New York traveling by myself. So uh, I think these kind of crimes and scams exist all over the world in varying degrees. And as a traveler, I think it makes, uh, um, it, you, you have to make a judicious uh, decision and take that uh, thing into consideration about how much you're willing to risk in order to gain a, gain a particular experience. So um, with that, um, I would like to uh, end this uh, talk uh, on a thoughtful note, which is uh, kind of an advice uh, based on my travel experience to all people traveling alone, either for work or either for a holiday. Uh, the first one I'm saying, don't be reckless. And uh, what I mean is that there is today, and that kind of ties into my last bullet point here, which I'm saying, don't fall for propaganda. Because today, it's the, the whole concept of... Uh, uh, travel has been pushed to doing something dangerous. And I don't know whether that's uh, enjoyable. I don't think it is because travel in war and conflict zones is being promoted. And I think that is absolutely irresponsible. I have seen um, uh, blogs, I have seen uh, uh, people promoting tourism in conflict zones. And I think that is not tourism. I think that's absolutely irresponsible. It uh, is uh, definitely not something anybody should get into and try and uh, do. Uh, of course, being mindful of social and political situations, I've had times when I have cancelled a trip because something has developed, some political situation has developed in a particular place. So I have cancelled my trip and I've said, okay, let me postpone this and do it another time. Uh, just to be mindful of the fact that I should achieve what I intend to from that trip. It should not be something that I'm just getting into because uh, I uh, had planned, but it is something that I need, an objective that I need to achieve, and I should get that. And social, political upheaval will not help me do that. So that is what uh, I uh, advise people as well. Also plan ahead and have a backup ready for all the situations. Uh, also having... Um, uh, ensuring that you do not end up in dark and lonely streets. I think this is just common sense. And I was advised this by um, a family friend in the US. So, you know, it, it is true for all countries in the world. In my, uh, in my study, during my study time in uh, the US, I had uh, um, a family friend who were uh, kind of my guardians and, and they told me that uh, uh, do not venture out in the night, do not go on streets which are dark and do not go out of your residence hall, uh, even if it is to the library at, uh, you know, after it is dark and everybody's, uh, you know, gone back to their uh, rooms. So that is, I think, a sensible advice. Also, the whole, uh, you know, using your sixth sense, being polite, but firm, and keeping things formal with strangers. I think this is something that a lot of times uh, is not uh, given enough thought by uh, younger people. But I think that it is important that we 
are formal and uh, do not engage in uh, conversations with people we do not know uh, beyond a certain limit. And I have used that in my uh, travels. I think that has been very handy because um, sometimes uh, it's easy for people to get the wrong message. And so uh, in all my travels, I think uh, my positive experiences that I've had is because of all these thoughtful uh, tips that I'm sharing with you. Uh, a lot of this is things that your parents will tell you. My parents have, of course, told me about all this. And I'm using this has really uh, ensured that I have... Uh, had no uh, instance of being uh, uh, in an uncomfortable situation. And I would uh, end today's talk uh, by saying that I, I wish that all the women here uh, who are listening and even the men, uh, they uh, go ahead and explore this land uh, that we have, India. Uh, it has some amazing places to see. Uh, a lot of it can be experienced with family. There are pilgrimage spots that you can go to and uh, but there are places you might want to go alone and immerse yourself and understand that place and if that is your calling please go ahead and do it don't go by the reports which are mostly just to put a negative picture to everything beautiful about our country i i have some some observations to share and then maybe a question is that okay okay please yeah so one of the I I there was a short period of time in my career when I was away from my work and I was staying in a very small place and it so happened a lot of people, both Indian and foreigners, went through that place. I mean, people known to me. And during that time, my observation has been that I think that stereotyping which you were talking about uh, actually causes a lot of issues, especially for people who are foreigners that whole, uh, you know, impression about women commodification and, you know, and all of that kind of chases them even in India. So I have seen when there is a foreigner woman traveling alone versus an Indian woman traveling alone. I think the dynamics changes because of that whole perception which men have about uh, uh, women, uh, you know, of different, uh, from different backgrounds. And I think that's what, probably this is i'm saying probably causes more issues for people for women of foreign origin who are traveling in india than uh, indian women that's one the, the second observation is i think uh, while i think you're right about those numbers and the data which you shared in fact i was reading an article some time ago about this was actually an article about um, sexual exploitation and molestation of women in in uk as a society and there while most of the article was about UK and how they hide away some of the things being done by a specific set of people or communities. But there in that, uh, they had shared some data from US as well. And it was astonishing. They said hardly 9 to 12% of the cases get reported in US and rest of the cases are not reported. Uh, which was like very, very astonishing for somebody like me to hear that. Anyway, my question is, what what I observed during that time was a lot of lack of facilities uh, for especially for women in different places. Like for example, um, ladies' toilets is a big problem uh, in most of the places. Uh, then, especially in temples and where there's a provision for you know people because of religious reasons or whatever to 
to you know take bath or something especially at like near rivers and all of that there are there's a pro, there is a lack of such kind of facilities okay i'm talking about 15 years ago so i don't know much might have changed i don't know what your experience has been so i would like to hear some of some of your thoughts around those topics okay thank you for your question um i think you you have raised a point which is something that i uh, kind of alluded to in my talk as well the objectification of western women has chased them like you said to india because uh, they are considered a certain way also perhaps the way they interact uh, they come across as too friendly but what i would like to add is that the cultural difference has now been understood i have uh, had uh, people traveling um, contacting me friends who have come from abroad both from europe and america they in fact there was a girl who contacted me uh, these were this was a time when there was this website where travelers would meet meet each other on the net and she was just 18 19 years old and she came all alone to india and she came uh, i i was waiting for her at the metro station in delhi and she walked down the stairs and there were a lot of uh, auto people starting to hassle her and then i found her and because she was the only white person uh in that entire uh, you know uh, metro station so she could be easily spotted and everybody wants to make a quick buck out of you know getting her into their auto rickshaw the the point here is that it would have happened this kind of a heckling would happen even to a, a white man if he would have come down the you know in the metro station so it is not specific to women i think where the uh, the problem arises because the women uh, there have been brought up with a, a very different uh, you know cultural experience and uh, that kind of cultural experience uh, is not uh, cannot be transported you know exactly in india and so a lot of women today are trying to uh, women travelers from abroad are trying to understand that there is that difference and they need to be uh, different they have to behave differently which is uh, i think uh, uh, led to uh, better experiences for a lot of those people at least for some of those women who stayed with me uh, another woman uh, she told me that uh, indian women are indian men are like uh, children so she was an uh, a european and a white european from ukraine and she had come to india and she said you know indian men are like children they want to stare at you because they find you so different but they are harmless this these are her words and and this is perhaps because she has been taking care of herself traveling in uh, places where it's, it's like that for anybody right even for an indian woman traveler i think you know just being reasonable about what you expect from a place and the crime rates etc i think just makes you uh, that much in a better situation now as far as your uh, thing about facilities i think for every traveler depending on what they want to experience they do a research and today it's really easy to do that research about what is available in that place and how comfortable it will be if you have the means to make yourself comfortable or you want to make yourself comfortable you can uh, do that even in smaller places take uh, you know uh, dedicated uh, taxis or you know uh, drivers which are well known well connected to uh, people you uh, know or you can even uh, uh you know try and uh, visit the place and go back as a day trip in case you're not you know that place is small and doesn't have facilities which is what pretty much i am i have been doing like if i travel to a place which is really a small village like kesagar i 
go back to Ahmedabad to spend uh, that uh, night so that I can take a flight the next day or, you know, just plan my travel around that. Uh, but I would also like to point out that whole thing about people, you know, the, the river, the ghats, like in Maheshwar in this background that I have, this place is uh, where a lot of women and men pilgrims come and, uh, uh, you know, there is that ritualistic bathing in Narmada because Narmada is a holy river also. And I did not see that the lack of facilities bothered anybody the men or the women, I think they are just so immersed in the spirituality of the place that I do not see any, uh, I think it's the tourists who kind of view this as a lack of facility. The real pilgrims, the real travelers to that place, they are not bothered. But having said that, yes, in Maheshwar, I saw that the government has created some bit of uh, changing rooms, etc. for women. But most women are so used to uh, doing it, uh, doing their bathing and that ritual in that spiritual way and then coming out and um, changing their clothes, oblivious of anything else. And I think that is something that doesn't, you know, it's not really related to uh, uh, lack of facilities, but just the tradition. And a lot of older women are very comfortable with it. They do not see any issue. And I think that's really very liberal of Indian society in a lot of ways. We do not give enough credit to it. But yes, I think that uh, even in, uh, um, if you can see in Varanasi, in Prayag, during Kumbh, uh, I was there at Kumbh Mela and I saw a lot of women bathing. And while we urban women are very coy about a lot of things about, you know, uh, space, personal, they are jostling, you know, in the crowd and doesn't really bother them. So I think that uh, uh, lack of facilities is a big constraint for urban travelers like us, us who want to be comfortable. But for a lot, lot of pilgrims, it, it doesn't matter much. Uh, so thank you very much for a very interesting talk. Uh, there are some questions that arose in my mind. First of all, what does the absolute statistics say in terms of India versus the rest of the world? Secondly, what does the statistics say within India in terms of places, whether rural or urban, whether, you know, talk, ma major metro cities or small towns, you know, is there some kind of difference there? And thirdly, uh, one of the things that struck me in your talk, which probably, uh, I mean, maybe I, the point is that you actually went and met people after meeting them on the internet. Do you think that was a very good idea? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for your question, Ji. I really uh, appreciate your concern. I'll take the last question that you asked first. Uh, so um, when I was doing research for my book, I had only one way in today's time to lead to people. One is to get to know um, somebody through a contact and the other is to do a uh, research about people and try and find out who is the person I in that uh, uh, in the context that I'm looking at to talk to. Now there are some people on the who I met on the internet. I corresponded with them. I spoke to them. I also did some bit of background research about them. But I was absolutely sure when I was meeting them that there is a risk involved, and I had a you know backup to that. For example, the one that I talked about, Bareilly. I had a hotel booked. I knew uh, you know where. Uh, I needed to be. I uh, was gauging every minute uh, the response of this person, and I had not, you know, just uh, uh, you know left it as a you know guarantee that everything will be will turn out right. And and so you know there was that element.
element of um, uh, you know uh, understanding involved in other cases where i've met people or through the internet and gone and met them at their factory or a production unit it's a public place it's kind of a place where there are a lot of people like i met this gentleman in maheshwar on the ghats and there are a lot of people and you talk about you know things i have my own car my own taxi and then you know i go with him to his shop first and the shop is again a public place so you know i i have that uh kind of a planned tour that i do when i'm at a place when i'm specially meeting people i don't know at all uh the second part of it is when i am connected to somebody through a reference which is a you know strong reference that level of comfort is higher but also i think what happens is that uh, we all meet people on a daily basis there are some times that we uh, visit uh, their homes because you know we start feeling more comfortable uh, and feel more secure with certain people and not with others so i think on individual level uh, each person has their own threshold of risk and so maybe what i did would not be done by another lady uh, and that is their perception of risk and their uh, understanding of how they need to take care of themselves but i feel confident in certain areas of my life because of certain i've been traveling for 10 years even before this book i wrote another book on the indian billion and next door where i met financial advisors across the country because i was profiling their stories the stories of financial advisors in various different insurance and mutual fund companies and there again i i traveled across the country so my experience gives me a certain uh, confidence which um, given uh, a reasonable expectation of what i have about the crime of the place or the kind of people i'm meeting i take a call so you know i hope that answers your question there is there is no real you know guarantee of anything in life so you know there is an element that of risk that we take every moment we go out step out of our house so you know i would say like i said thoughtful travel i think if you plan it ahead plan in advance keep your backups ready i think you should be okay so that's or now coming to the question on data uh, as far as the difference between urban areas rural areas the national commission of women has uh, uh, given has has data has uh, has uh, put together data every year it has reports every year of different districts uh, a cursory look uh, that i did and i'm not an expert in the field of uh, women crime against women or women safety i am a traveler so i can only share experiences but going by the data that is there on the website it seems to me that mostly a lot of crime is from urban areas and also there are uh, uh, some uh, you know the smaller areas may you know you may say are safer or uh, there is uh, more uh, uh, lesser women uh, who are stepping out and that is why there is low crime whatever the reason is there mostly crime is in the urban centers most reported crime is in the urban centers but for the national commission of women uh, when they report incidents of uh, women uh, complaints against uh, uh, complaints uh, for women issues it includes even things like harassment workplace discrimination and all those things so it is not just a crime uh, real assault that they are counting actually i wanted to know she has traveled a lot uh, what about uh, the taxi wala the auto wala like that in india we know sometimes in late hours it is uh, difficult but uh, how it is now and uh, how about other countries where she have traveled traveled 
and a long and a hired taxis like that are shared so, that is one point yes yeah second second thing uh, there are places uh, which are exposed to, to travelers and uh, unexplored places like uh, no less traveled places thank you share your thoughts thank you thank you for that question um i have uh, traveled across uh, various small towns and large cities for work uh, which was research related now uh, i have always tried to keep my travel during the day uh, ensure that i do not take a auto or a taxi late at night and this applies to all places across the world it's not specific to india uh and uh, it is uh, you know in smaller cities it's you know in smaller towns of course you would not be uh, there is not so much of uh, facility like i was saying in the earlier um, uh, answering the earlier question so what happens is that you need to plan in a little in advance and ensure that uh, those places which you think are not really travel friendly do not have facilities you can do a day trip or you can ensure that you can go there and come back at a reasonable time as far as uh, the risk of using autos and taxis there is a risk and the best thing to do it is avoid using it in hours when there is nobody on the road so that is what i have done in fact there, there have been sometimes a situation where you have to take a taxi from one place to another later and there are now a lot of uh, uh, companies which are uh, gps connected uh, as far as their taxis concerned the drivers are uh, uh, ver- verified by the police in fact in bangalore they even have women taxis so i was planning a trip to mysore and i was uh, i contacted the women uh, taxi uh, service and they were willing to provide the women taxi late in the evening so i had around 8 o'clock to take me from bangalore airport to mysore so that is also an option for larger towns now uh, in india and so i think traveling in india is easier for a woman because you have so many different ways you can go in a ladies coach uh, in train not just now i talked about earlier generation also and in the western countries these things are not available but you need to then plan out in your own way and uh, ensure that you take care of uh, uh, these aspects of being safe hello can you hear me yeah yeah so sorry hi kanika first of all it was very insightful talk because we are all deluded and uh, by these talks of uh, women uh, not being safe uh, for us the uh, country not being safe for women and all of that especially uh, in terms of solo travel and all of that and listening to your experiences is such a relief and it's like a, a side of a story that's not being told and it's a vital um, perspective and uh, that has to be populated and people need to speak about this so thank you so much for uh, talking about your experiences and my question uh, was again uh, had to do with the tips that you talked about okay so i wanted to understand since i don't have a lot of travel experience uh, how important is it to understand the local sensibilities of a space that you're visiting sometimes imposing your own um you know uh, perceptions and notions of uh, modernity or uh, the lens with which you view certain places can um, constrict your experience there so like you said when you were talking about uh, the people in the uh, particular uh, ghat and how those people were immersed in spirituality and that was their specific experience and that is why they were there so anybody who goes with 
a different lens will have a different experience inevitably so what do you have to say about that does the lens with which you view something change fundamentally change the experience that you receive from a place uh thank you kalani for that question what i understand uh, is that you're asking uh, what should be the purpose of travel i think if i can go a little deeper to your question and i think that uh, you are uh, it is a question that comes up uh, in a lot of travelers minds when we are traveling um in my view when you uh, the experience that you are seeking from a place uh, should be uh, Uh, should should be uh, directed towards also your own goals so for me uh, i am doing research on textiles and anak maheshwar so the ghat experience is not something i'm in, i'm going to experience so much i'm going to go with the person i met at the ghat to his uh, workshop so uh, my whole experience of maheshwar is the uh, whole sag maheshwari sari production in that town and who are the weavers where they dye their yarn who's giving them the yarn what is the government doing whether they are facing any challenges so my whole perspective shifts now that is dep- that depends on the traveler what are they trying to seek but your question about being sensitive to local uh, sensibilities is not just being respectful but i think you also need to be aware of what are the issues in that society so if there is crime and crime is in every country in this world every place in this world in varying degrees can we wish it away no uh, unfortunately there cannot be a place in this world with zero crime rate like i said even in the nordic countries in the in finland sweden uh, western european north european countries with high gender equality there are issues of women safety uh, there is a lot of trafficking for women there is a lot of uh, abuse domestic abuse is very high so you know um, there is issue there is issue everywhere there are there are lots of problems uh, the thing is how do we take care of ourselves and to take care of ourselves we need to know the place we need to understand what can be done and what cannot be done so i would i would think a lot of women travelers in one gentleman had said that earlier as well a lot of women travelers who come here from uh, europe try and uh, uh, behave exactly how they would do at home and that is something that would not be accepted because that is not how uh, indian women behave right we do not go around uh, uh, in small villages uh, you know doing up you know partying or you know in, in little towns you do not have bars or you know things like that and so uh, that that kind of alien culture cannot be transported to that place and similarly for a lot of us urban women when we travel to smaller places uh, we need to be conscious of the fact that there would be um, an element of dressing probably an element of uh, speaking respectfully uh, probably an element of ensuring that you go and come back at a reasonable time and do not venture out you know all by yourself in the middle of the night so those kind of things are uh, important to consider yeah uh, first of all uh, the answer was beautifully articulated even i couldn't put in uh, my doubts the same way but uh, thank you so much that that was uh, very fulfilling thanks i don't have a question i i just want to uh, share a very funny incident which happened uh, two years ago roughly around uh, november december of 2019 <clears throat> i happened to go to california for work and um, i had to come back to the airport to take my flight and i called uh, uber uber cab and the driver was actually a woman and uh, she happened to be second or third generation indian only so i 
I, I went into the cab and it was a long drive to the airport. And then I started chatting with her. And uh, then I asked her a question and it was very random. I didn't think about it. I said, don't you feel sometimes worried about, you know, driving in the night, uh, passengers to from here and there. And she showed me her uh, pepper spray and said, actually, you should be worried right now. And I was like, where, where is it going? And I was like, no, 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 no. I, just, I generally ask because, you know, it is very, it is a little, you know, uh, uncommon for me. So she said, yeah, yeah I meet a lot of uh, <clears throat> Indian folks uh, who come here and all of that is being California and all. So I think in some way, at least in some places, the dynamics is just going, uh, you know, in a little different way. So I just wanted to share that in the zest. Uh, I just want to make one comment about what I think the, the previous uh, participant uh, said. I personally experienced that, uh, as I was saying, when I was staying in a small place, there was this uh, American lady who came and she was very young. And despite me telling her beforehand uh, that, you know, you're coming to a small town in India, watch out for what, how you dress up, how you operate and all of that. Maybe she didn't understand or whatever. And the first day, I think a uh, uh, lot of lot of us had a difficult time because uh, she was dressed in a very typical American way. And for those small town people, they have never seen anybody like that. And so sometimes I think that local sensibility kind of thing, I think helps. But sometimes I think it is so different that, you know, it is difficult for anybody to imagine that. Uh, that, you know, it could be so different. And, and sometimes I think that somebody may have to go and tell like all kind of minute details for somebody to even understand that. It's like, you know, if you have not seen that thing, it's very difficult for somebody to even imagine and then act accordingly. So, so that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Namaste Kanikati. I'm so sorry. I missed a large part of your talk, much as I was looking forward to it, but I got caught in a work uh, related situation. Um, anyway, I did catch uh, uh, the last bit of it and I, I get the sense of uh, what you're saying. And congratulations, first and foremost, for uh, having done such extensive travel. It, it is a, it's a laudable achievement indeed. I just wanted to share my own experiences having traveled abroad um, in Europe alone when I was uh, studying and also a fair bit in, in India. So the thing I've noticed with, I was on a coach tour uh, when I was studying in England and we did this seven city Europe uh, tour. And there were a lot of uh, Americans who were there, women as well. And I'm telling you the stereotype that most people have about American women. And mind you, many of them were married and they had children and they left them back home. Uh, so the, the coach uh, tour uh, manager, the guide who was in charge of, uh, I think he was Australian. And he was kind of smart looking and stuff. And they were hitting on him like so badly. And he was obviously in a relationship and very sincere and very attached. And he didn't like the fact that they were just not interested in seeing anything much or anything. They were just like having their fun and not following rules as well. So when we uh, went to um, Rome and, uh, you know, there, there are restrictions, right, on how you're supposed to dress, which he had informed, which they didn't follow. And I still remember when we were in the queue, I was the only one who was, quote unquote, decently dressed. So the Italian guard actually said, prego, madam. Like he actually said, come, because he was so fed up with these, you know, having to tell them, you know, you, you can't come in like that. You can't come in with shorts and, and you know, uh, exposed arms and so on. So there's a certain lack of cooperation that's not just in India. That's everywhere they go, which is why Americans are not very popular as uh, uh, tourists anyway. The second point is actually more, it's more out of my curiosity. What you have raised is actually everything I agree with when it comes to being safe while traveling, 
women, all those old fashioned little things about not going out when it's dark anywhere in the world. And I'm glad you mentioned that even about the US because it's, it's very unsafe in many cities and many quarters. But you know, what I've noticed nowadays is being a woman, even as a woman, when you tell people these things, there's, a, there's sometimes among the so-called liberal set, there's a little bit of a pushback, you know, like, why is it like that? Why should it be like that? Almost like it's wrong that it's like that. So if there is a cultural sort of um, situation that you want everyone should adapt to in a certain way. You find that there's more pushback than that. Why are you telling me to be that way? You know, why can't I just be myself? So I just want to know, how is it that you navigate through that when you give these sort of suggestions? Do you face that sort of pushback from women themselves? Yes, I mean, not yes. just women. Yeah, thank um, you so much. That's a wonderful question. I, I think um, I have also, you know, um, seen that a lot of women, and it's not just the younger women, it's even older women who push back against these things. And, and you would be surprised, I'll, I'll, uh, an incident comes to my mind. There is this group of uh, uh, heritage walk, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, organizers of heritage walk by Intact, which is a heritage organization in Delhi, which takes women and men uh, on a morning tour through various heritage sites in Delhi. And one of the walks that I went to several years ago was to Nizamuddin Olia. This is a, a Sufi shrine in Delhi. And this inner sanctum sanctorum uh, is prohibited for women. And we all went in, there were some men, some women, and we were, and a lot of women there were uh, above the age of 40. I, I was there with my friend and there were uh, some women who were even more elderly. And I was surprised to see that elderly women arguing with the caretaker of that place, why they were not allowed in the inner sanctorum. And I thought that was preposterous because you are going to a shrine, nobody has called you. You are going there to follow the rules of the place. I think it's, that's not the place for activism. In any case, I mean, and, I, and you raised this thing about Rome, and I'm very glad that you did it because somehow this whole uh, mindset of, uh, you know, rules and regulations kind of gets pinned on India and, uh, and the whole, um, you know, uh, Hindu culture of India, which is not true. Rules and regulations apply for men and women in shrines and places of significance across the world. I'm sure if you're going to meet the president of India, you would be told to uh, adhere to a certain decorum. And if you go into a temple in South India, especially, you know, I know about this temple uh, in Tiruvantapuram, where men are supposed to dress up traditionally as well. And women are supposed to dress up traditionally too when they enter that shrine. So it's not as if, uh, you know, it is some kind of a, a imbalance that is being pushed or forced. It happens in all places of significance across the world. I'm sure if you go to meet the President of the United States, you will be asked to come dressed in a certain way. I don't think you'll be allowed to walk in barefoot. I don't think you'll be allowed to come in, you know, uh, without clothes, you know. So I think there is an element of uh, decorum that all places expect. And so I think it's only fair that we follow it as travelers. I don't think it's, you know, uh, there is any reason to rebel when you're going and visiting a place because they have not invited you. You know, I think it's a privilege that we have today to go and travel to places um, because of easy connectivity. And I think it's, we need to be respectful of each culture, each place and their rules, uh, and more so of our own country. Uh, yeah, I, while the, all your uh, 
talking was happening i looked up your uh, the forbes report that you referred to yeah yeah and and it is about uh, you know india is uh, the report says apparently the summary of the report says that it is one of the most complex with wide variations across regions but the most important point is that the country continues to experience terrorist activities that may impact us citizens according to the state departments okay and so you know they have brought in the element of terrorism also it is not just about whether an urban area is safe or unsafe in terms of crime rates so uh, you know this report also brings into uh, view the angle of uh, terrorism uh, which is actually relevant uh, when you think back to 2008 when the taj was attacked and there were foreigners in that hotel right and i think that part of the uh, flack that uh, india has received is because of this susceptibility to terrorism and you know terrorism against uh, you know uh, uh, westerners i think uh, what you are saying pointing out is also to something that is a very widespread uh, uh, angle that western media uses for anything that happens in india so you know if they are building the terrorism angle i'm not surprised we saw it in the covid reporting recently so everything uh, you know with term, in terms of uh, disaster that happens in india is uh, pushed up as uh, uh, a big uh, uh, you know catastrophe while the same things happening across the world are not even mentioned so we've had uh, the same thing happen uh, with the news reports on uh, you know covid and all those things so i i think that uh, it's not surprising this report is actually thank you for bringing it up it's totally inaccurate as far as uh, traveling is concerned and women safety is concerned 